Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome back to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know that I just love to bring you thought leaders and influencers and people that are out there just trying to change the world every week. And so today's no different. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Sean Olson, executive coach, speaker, motivator, and CEO of Renegize Professional Coaching. Sean's goal is to motivate and challenge people to achieve beyond their goals. Sean works to help individuals accelerate development, overcome limiting behaviors, and excel as a leader. Sean, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. It's great to be with you and great to be with your audience. We are so excited about your topic for today, but before we get started, and you're really going to have to help me with this one, how did we get connected? So we got connected... I guess indirectly through LinkedIn. I'm a LinkedIn junkie. I think it's one of the most incredible tools out there to network with people from all over the country. And I came into contact with Jay Mamie from down there in the Texas area. That's right. You and Jay have a relationship and he's like, you need to talk to Casey and vice versa. And so that kind of brought the introduction into place for us. That I had totally forgotten that. And usually I don't forget. And I didn't check my networking notebook before I came on Mm -hmm. today. And so I was like, oh boy, I hope he remembers. (laughs) Yep, that's what it was. But I think that that just goes to show you it is so important to make connections because if you're not out there making new connections all the time, then you're you're just going to stall. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's all about people. It's all about the connections. And the big thing is if you don't, develop connections for your benefit, but for their benefit, good things come up. Yes. Yes. Too often we make connections like on LinkedIn, other places. We think it's all about me trying to develop business. It's business development. It's sales. It's what I can do for you instead of just, Hey, how's it going? Here's what I do. How can I benefit you? And it opens up doors. Absolutely. I love the uh, format of give and take, the give and take philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, Adam Grant yep. does a lot about that. Yep. Also, Bob Berg, whom we've had on the show, he wrote The Go-Giver. Same philosophy. You've got to give and take, right? And so, but you, my, my number one, like, internal rule is to give value first. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. It is. We have to provide value to other people. And if our mentality, and I'd even go deeper than mentality, if like our driving mission is to impact people, it keeps it where it's about them first. And it sets you up for success because success is not necessarily what I attain or what sales we get in our organization. Success is you flourishing. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, let's talk about a little bit of that, the success that you've had with some of your clients. So um, you've helped a lot of emerging leaders, right? In fact, 72% of your clients are in new leadership roles right now. What are some of the challenges that new leaders face? So I'm going to hit that from two different perspectives. First of all, I'm going to say a new leader, like it's their first leadership position. 
And if it's their first leadership position, nine times out of 10, they got promoted to leadership because they were excellent at what they do, right? So it may be in manufacturing, it may be in sales or marketing, but they're great at that task. So they get promoted and then they want to keep doing the same thing. Well, it's not the same. Now that you're a leader, it's about other people and investing in them. And so if you are a first time leader, it's this huge transition that needs to take place in your mind of, I'm no longer graded on what I do. I'm graded on what my people do. So I need to invest in them for their success because that ultimately is my success. The other form of a new leader is an existing leader that maybe gets a promotion, right? So they have leadership skills, they understand what leadership is, and now they've been promoted to a different position. In those scenarios, it's really important for them to understand that they need to get to know the new people in that role. Who are the key players? What are the key relationships? What are the initiatives that are taking place? And I think the greatest mistake normal leaders make or leaders that have experience when they step into a new role is they want to put their stamp on it right away instead of taking time to understand the people, the situation, and evaluating everything and then making good strategic decisions to move forward. Interesting. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I've been in leadership roles in the past and I can totally attest to that, that I just... The, probably one of my first leadership roles, I just kind of came in like a bull in a china shop and I was like, this is the way it's mm -hmm. gonna be, you know? So, yep. and, and I had to ease into that, you know, stand back, let them make their mistakes, but then give them the guidance when it's necessary, right? Um, it, but it was definitely having to step away from that micromanagement because I just, I knew they were a reflection on me and I wanted mm -hmm. them to be perfect, you know? <laughs> so, exactly. So, so how can new leaders discover their leadership style and then work to improvement like me? Great question. So your leadership style is important because leadership really has the two facets of number one, it's self-awareness. So mm -hmm. who am I as a leader? What do I bring to the table? What is my style? And there's a great number of assessments that are out there. And so first off, I would recommend any leader get into some assessments. It could be things like DISC or Burke or, uh, you know, the Strength Finders mm. or MBTI, although MBTI is more on the personality side, not necessarily leadership style side, but take some assessments and organizations are usually very open to offering those to you if you get into a new role. Digest that information, but even with that information, here's where leaders make mistakes. They try to find what they don't like in it instead of trying to find what it's actually saying to them. Hmm. So don't try to pick it apart saying, oh, that's not right. That's not really me. Look at it and say, okay, how does that come across in me? If the assessment says that's a part of the way that I lead, that's part of my style. How's it coming across so I can get better at it? And then the second aspect of it is once you have some of those assessment data is talk to people around you. How have you seen this before? If you have a spouse or partner, go talk to them. If you have children, talk to them or your best friends. Let them read the reports because I've had a lot of times where leaders are like, well, that's half right, half wrong. They'll go take it home and they'll come back in the next coaching session. They're like, everybody in my family said it was spot on. I didn't think it was, but they did. So perception is reality. Once you identify your style, it's important to understand both the great strengths that come from that as well as the limitations. But I will say this, Casey, here's the big piece. Understand how to learn your style so you can understand the styles of others. Mm. And here's why this is so important. Managers, I, I draw a difference between managers and leaders, okay? Managers say, it's my team's responsibility to adapt to who I am and how I lead. Leaders say, 
it's my responsibility to identify who my people are and adjust to them. That's that's good. That's really good. I love that distinction mm -hmm. that you just made there. You know, and I just wanted to share something with you real quick. You mentioned strengths finders. Sure. And I am Yes. So I'm an assessment junkie. I think we talked about that. I love mm -hmm. to take and you mm -hmm. mentioned one I haven't heard of, Burke. Yes, it's another version of DISC. There's a lot of them that are out there. Hogan okay. is out there. There's a lot of different ones. Right. I'm familiar with all those. I thought I had taken every assessment under the sun, but now I'm going to have to go find that one. So <laughs> it may be Berkman. Don't hold me on that one. It might be a Berkman, but yeah, they're all, they're all from the same psychometric background. Okay. So one of the things that I did with my team that I think you'll appreciate is with the strengths finders. And so everybody mm -hmm. on my team took the strengths finders and then we would put our top five strengths on a little card on our desk so everybody could see them. And it was your responsibility to go to each person's desk and learn how to communicate with them. Yep. I think that's fantastic. We encourage people. We use DISC quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And the DISC report has a little circle. It shows where your dot is. And we encourage people to put that on their cubbies, put it on their desks, talk about it. And the thing about all those assessments is we view them as, you know, we'll take the assessment and then we'll go through whatever the debrief is. Of mm -hmm. it. And then we put it away. Yep. We can't do that. It has to be out there as a regular resource, as a reference tool, so we keep growing in who we are and ourselves. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I'll share offline, I'll share another assessment with you you might be interested in for your leadership. So. Yeah, please do. And I think that one thing, um, you know, how new leaders can discover their leadership style and then improve on it would be to hire someone like you, a coach, you know? Mm -hmm. So let's just say that I did hire you. So when coaching someone, your first step is to change how someone thinks. Got to change that stinking thinking, right? So what techniques Correct. do you use to help them put those thoughts into action once you've identified them? So we have a pretty thorough process on the front end of our engagements where it does include the DISC assessment, but we also do an interview of a sponsor. So there's always a sponsor for our engagements. Typically it's their direct boss, right? And so we'll interview that boss. What are the strengths? So if I was coaching you, Casey, what are Casey's strengths in leadership? And give me some examples of how you've seen that. And then also what are some areas for growth and development, right? So you have some areas that you want to get better. And we really view that as both weaknesses in leadership, as well as what could she add to her toolbox based on where the company is and where the company's going. So it's not always just negative things, but it's also things that are positives we look forward to the future. With that information, we can then really get a good picture of who you are. And we also do a process called a personal deep dive that I can go into either later today or some other time. Uh, but we get to really know you because coaching is about the who, Casey, mm -hmm. not about the what, VIP recruiting, right? Yeah. Because if we pull the best out of you and help you become the best version of yourself, VIP recruiting wins. So then what we do is we actually create an action plan. Here's the things we want to work on. And we always start with the strength because I'm a firm believer in developing strengths, just like you use the strengths finders assessment. When we have a strength in leadership, we rely on it because it's natural. We usually don't develop it. And so what we're really doing is we're saying, here's the best attribute that I bring to the table, but I'm not gonna spend any time making it even better. So we focus in our first goal on that strength to make them maximize that because that is really the best part of who they are. The other goals around developmental goals, and your question is how do we turn it into action? By going through everyday life. 
And so if we were coaching you, it'd be like, okay, let's just for sake of argument, let's say you didn't direct and delegate very well. It's a very, very common goal. So we're in a meeting together, we're having a session and you're talking about your team and some things you need them to do. I'm going to be asking you, well, how do you normally direct and delegate? And what we find is most leaders assign tasks. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. That's not delegating and empowering. Delegating and empowering is going to one of your team and saying, here's the desired outcome of what I need to have done. I think you're the right person because I see skills A, B, and C. Will you take this on? Then I'm actually delegating to empower them. Right. And so we give them these tools to put those things into action. And then the next time we're back online together in our session, which we do them every two weeks, how did it go? Tell me about your meeting. Tell me about how the delegation went. What's the results you're seeing? How's your team responding? So I call coaching is in real time. We're dealing with your work in real time to help you get better and learn leadership principles along the way. I love it. You know, I know that a lot of people, when they step into that leadership role for the first time, they are, you know, oh my God, what am I going to do? So what are some common fears that hold people back from changing their mindsets about this? That's a great question. I think one of the biggest fears is they have a fear of making a mistake. Mm. True. Just flat out making a mistake, right? And yep. so it's a new position. Uh, a lot of times the position was open because somebody else would maybe let go, you know, 50, 50 chance they were the let go or somebody else was promoted and stuff. So it's just the unknown. And that's why we encourage them in your first 90 days, identify who the key relationships are that you need to get to know. Who are the people that really can drive things forward and give you a good picture? And the fear of asking for time from people is their biggest mistake. And so here's what I mean by that. I encourage our people all the time. Don't just talk to your boss, talk to your boss's boss, go up as high up in the chain as you can. Right. And they're like, well, they wouldn't want to talk to me. Well, here's the reality of the situation. People that are executives are rarely asked for their time because everybody says they don't have time for me. And I usually reverse the role and I'm, I'm like, okay, so say Casey that I called you and I said, Hey, Casey, can I have 15 minutes of your time? I really like what you've done in your career. I think you have a lot that I could learn from you. I would really love to pick your brain. When you present it like that, who's going to say no, right? So what happens with that is I learn what's going on in the organization. I learn the things that I need to be doing, but beyond that, I'm developing key relationships for long-term success of that organization. That is beautiful. And I love that. And, you know, and one thing that, I think I say this on every single show, something my mentor told me, um, but it's just, it's so basic. It's so, it just works in any situation, right? She says, get your ask in gear. Yes. And that's all you have to do. What's the worst they're going to do if you go up and you ask them for 15 minutes? Tell you no? Mm -hmm. Wow. Correct. That was awful. You know, they'll just say mm -hmm. no. Yep. They're not going to yell at you for asking or punch you or anything. So... Well, even beyond that, they might say no, that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. And two months down the road, three months down the road, they see you walk in the halls, it's going to come back to them and they're going to remember that whether they talk to you or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great advice to just grow your career, but also to be, stay visible among those decision makers. So mm -hmm. I love that. Absolutely. So 
I, I wanted to talk about something that I read in your book. So in your book, this is how I roll, R-O-L-E, yes. seven strategies yes, nice to accelerate your leadership growth. And I'll give my wife credit for that one, by the way. My wife gets the credit for that. So Very clever. Okay, so yeah. strategies to accelerate your leadership growth and promotability. You discussed the yes. importance of intentional leadership. What does it mean to be Correct. an intentional leader? Here's why this is so important. And we are so invested in this concept that we are now actually, we have an open enrollment leadership development program called the Intentional Leader Academy because it has to be intentional. So here's what we hear from leaders everywhere, all sectors across the country. When I get more budget, things are gonna get better. Once I fill out my team, I know I'm going to have success. Once we get the machinery in place, we're going to be okay. Once COVID is passed and we're back to face to face in the office, I know things are going to get better. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Hope is an incredible thing for your life. It is not for leadership. Hope is not leadership. Leadership is intentional. And so let me give you an example of how this plays out. We'll have leaders who are talking about maybe a toxic person on their team. And they'll say, I really need to have a conversation with them. I'm like, great. When are you doing it? Well, I don't know. I'll get to it down the road. No. When are you going to have the conversation? What's the conversation going to sound like? What's it going to look like? Because that problem is going to remain toxic in your organization until you intentionally take the steps to get it done. So it could be with difficult conversations. It could be with how you calendar things. It could be with how you budget. Things don't just happen naturally. People say, well, I'm a gifted born leader. Yes, you are. You may, you may be, you know, just gifted beyond all get out because of how you were born and what you've experienced as a person. You still got to be intentional to go get it done. And so we just challenge people that leadership doesn't happen because leadership is about people. We manage processes. We lead people. You can't invest and develop people by hoping things happen. You have to be intentional and go get it done. I love that too. Okay. I'm going to quit saying I love stuff because let's just say it now. I love yeah. everything you're saying. Okay. <laughs> so it's also, leadership. It's people. That's why it's, and it's really good. And I'm hoping we've just recently taken on, um, the responsibility of sponsoring a group called success North Dallas young executives. And I am okay. really hoping to share this information with them so that, you know, they, they can start developing those leadership skills now. And, and Correct. Exactly. So, um, so in your book, you also mention that leadership is about teams, all capital letters. So it's an Correct. acronym. That's trust, energy, accountability, and mission. So let's fo focus mm -hmm. on that first piece, trust. Um, how can a leader establish trust within their team? There's a lot of things they can do, and it is crucial. Okay. Mm -hmm. And typically, most people say you have to earn my trust. I disagree with that. My philosophy is this, is that we are all human. And so we are all the same. We are all equal. We're all, all you know, people talk about racism today and it's real and we need to grow as a country in that aspect. My response is we're part of the human race. We're all the same race. It's the mm -hmm. human race, right? And so we have to realize that we're all the same. And with that, there's ways to develop trust don't say you have to earn my trust. You deserve a base level of trust, Casey, because you're a human being. And you deserve a base level of trust because my organization thought enough to bring you on board and hire you, right? And so I'm gonna give you that trust to begin with. 
But here's the key phrase we use all the time. There is no trust outside of relationship. I have to know who my people are. I have to intentionally get to know them. And when people hear that, they think, oh, great. Do I have to get into things like who their kids are and the birthdays and anniversaries, remembering all those things? No, that's not what I mean. But get to know them. Get to know their heartbeat, right? Yeah. You said you love the strengths finders and you have those five strengths. Tell me what they are and how you see those coming out in your work. Tell me how that comes out for you in your personal life with your friends, right? We could have this 15 minute conversation, just start going deeper and great things happen. I mentioned at the start of our coaching engagements, we do what's called a personal deep dive. We literally have our clients tell us their story from where they were born, who their parents are all the way up through. It takes 45 to 60 minutes. Wow. Over 90% of our clients cry during that hour. Okay. But I want to tell you why. Male, female, doesn't matter what their role. I've had CEOs, everything, right? The reason they cry is that no one's ever stopped long enough to ask or care to hear their story. So when you ask questions to get to know people, you develop a relationship. When you have a relationship, there's trust that you can begin to build on as you execute and win together in your organization. I love that. I think I'm going to start doing that too. That is awesome. Um, so real quick, I've got one last question for you before we move on to our VIP sure. questions, but I think it's incredible that 42% of your clients are promoted during or within the first year of coaching with you. What are some mm -hmm. of the traits that you think make a person promotable? They have to know their organization. They have mm -hmm. to know what's the organization is looking for. Um, it's, so in other words, it's not about them as much as the organization, because just in the same way at the beginning of our time tonight, we talked about in networking, we have to show that we can add value to them. The employee needs to show they're adding value to the organization. Okay. And so a couple of key traits that get people promotable. Number one is this is let's say somebody's a director right now and they want to become a VP. What we naturally do is we begin to say, okay, what does a VP do? What are the competencies, the capabilities at a VP level? Because if I start showing that, if I show those capabilities and competencies, then they're going to promote me via VP. The problem is when they spend all their time trying to look like a VP, they forget to be a good director. Mm. And so our phrase is be an all-star where you are and they'll want to move you up. That's one of the key traits to it. The second key trait is you will catch the attention of higher ups when you talk about things and ask questions about things that has nothing to do with your job. So if I'm a director in marketing, but I'm asking the CFO questions about finance and how they create the budgets, or I'm going to somebody who's in R&D and I'm saying, help me understand how you come up with new things that you guys want to develop and how we're going to be pushing those out down the road. The people that ask questions, bigger picture about the organization, not about their role, get noticed. Be an all-star where you are, ask questions that are outside of your scope. And boom, mic drop, there it is. That's how you get promoted. Yep. So that's amazing. It helps, yeah. it gets you there. Such great information. I hope that our audience will take some time to go back and listen to this because there was a lot of information there and I don't, I just don't think you can take it in in one listen. So do yourself a favor, listen to this a couple of times if you want to start looking for those leadership roles. And I am a big, big, big believer, whether you hire Sean or another coach, get a coach. You know, yes. you, you need a coach, especially for business, but I think for every 
area of your life, if you ask me. So, but that's just my opinion. Absolutely. So, all yep, right. I understand. Are you ready for our VIP questions? Bring it on. <laughs> so if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? I wouldn't take anything. I'd take three people. Okay. I take my wife and my daughter because my family makes me complete. Mm. Those are two. And I take Jesus because if I don't make it on Mars, I'm going to heaven with him anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the foundation of my life. So if I had Jesus, my wife, and my daughter, I am good to go on Mars. And you've got somebody that can turn water into wine. That always helps. <laughs> We need some food. We'll make it come up. It'll appear for us. Exactly. There you go. That's good. That's a good one. Okay. Um, so what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? I get up and I walk in my house right away. Motion is lotion. Gets okay. me moving. Gets my brain cranking. Okay. So that's one thing that I do. But I think as importantly, there's something that I don't do. I don't break this out. There. Yes. Thank you. That is so important. Let it sit until I go to work. Because if I open that up and I look at emails and everything else, my mind is gone. Yep. My day is gone. So I start by getting some motion and working out and focusing in on me and my family, not work yet. Don't break out the phone. It sounds like you are a little intentional. Everywhere. Way to use that word. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so my final question for you. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? I have thought about this one. That is a really tough question. Here's what I would want the headline to be. He helped thousands become the best version of themselves. I love it. That's that's a that's great it. headline. And that's, that's giving my life, first. My life is to invest in others. My yeah. life is to invest in others and make them the best. That's beautiful. How do people find you if they do want to hire you as a coach? They can go to our website. It is renogize.com. That's R-E-N-O-G-I-Z-E.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. I said I'm a LinkedIn junkie. You can find me there. And we'd love to have a conversation with you, whether you used us or not, just to help you understand the value of coaching and how it can help transform your career and your life. We'd love to have that chat with you. It's such a, it's such a big, you said something earlier and I was going to kind of bring it up and then we kind of moved past it really quickly, mm -hmm. but you were talking about how, when you start becoming valuable, when you, when you get to know yourself, then you can use that to become valuable to your company. And I tell you, once I engaged with a coach, that's where I really started to bloom for sure mm -hmm. within the company. And I just, I'm so thankful for my, I've had a couple of coaches, but I'm so thankful for my coaches and everything that they've done for me. So me too. I've had them myself. Um, so I'm a firm believer in it. Even Absolutely. coaches need coaches. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> well, John, this has been amazing. I just have one last thing to say to you. You Please. are a VIP. Thank you very much, Casey. Great to be a part of your club. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.